It's just a public service announcement sponsored by Just Blaze and the good folks at Rockefeller Records. Fellow Americans, it is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and <laughs> recollection of history in the making during our generation. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho, O, H to the O, V. I used to move snowflakes by the O, Z. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the first episode of Moving the Goalposts, a sports and lifestyle podcast that's not afraid to tell it how it is. My name is Nick Mara, and I am joined by my co-host, Mike Masala. Mike, how are you now? Nick, I'm doing well. Yourself? I uh, can't complain. No one really would care anyway. <laughs> so today we got a couple of topics that we're going to be talking about. Uh, we're probably going to touch on a little bit of everything. So all the four major sports. We got football, we got basketball, baseball, hockey. With no sports being played, it can be a little difficult to touch on some items, but there has been a lot to develop over the last week. I think the first thing that we could talk about is uh, the New England Patriots. They've decided to sign a, a quarterback by the name of Cam Newton. You might know him. He's a former MVP, Super Bowl contender. And uh, over the last couple of years, he struggled with injury. But, Mike, I, I guess my question to you is, what are your thoughts about Cam Newton coming to New England? Yeah, I mean, this offseason's been full of question marks for the Patriots. It's been a whole, who's going to replace Tom Brady? No one's going to be able to do the job that Tom Brady did, obviously. But it's all been about who is going to go under center. And everybody considered Jared Siddham pretty much the, the, the next guy, the successor to Brady, um, even though he was a fourth-round pick. And we were all pretty excited. But for, for them to get a quarterback of Cam Newton's stature, a former MVP, uh, a former first overall pick, um, one of the greatest rushing quarterbacks of all time, uh, just for for some cheap money for a 1.75 that that's the best case scenario that they could be in right now they cam can make up to i believe it's seven and a half million this year and almost all of it is in incentives and because he didn't play last year those incentives are all not likely to be earned so it doesn't count towards the cap so the patriots are just making out like bandits here they're doing their classic belichick find a guy who's injured find a a great player who has a little bit of a, a pass, not saying that Cam Newton is a, has a past or anything, but just the guy who is damaged goods is basically the way, the way everybody puts it. Um, and I think the Patriots are in a prime position to make another run at the AFC East. Yeah. I mean, the division I think was certainly up for question to a lot of people. Buffalo had a really good season last year. They seem to be putting things together. I like Sean McDermott as a coach. I think he's definitely the second best coach in the division. At me uh, as well. You know, Brian Flores, he, he had a, a tough start to the year last year, but he was able to put his team together and get them to play for him late in the year. Uh, obviously the, the win up in Foxborough, much to, uh, much to Patriots fans' dis demise, but uh, and Adam Gase, I don't know what the hell is going on with the Jets. Honestly, can Adam Gase stop getting the 
the whole quarterback guru. Can he stop that having that title? Like well, he's I, done nothing. Well, you, you have to look at what he did in Denver, at least with Peyton Manning and Peyton Manning was, you know, somewhat damaged goods because nobody knew what he was going to be like after his, his, uh, his neck surgery. And he got a lot out of him in, in that 2012 and 2013 season. And then, you know, he, he ended up, I, I think that Adam Gase is an offensive coordinator that requires a smart quarterback. Yes. Other than that, I mean, both sides of the ball, it might be a little difficult, but um, <laughs> I just I can't get over the, him staring off into the distance at that introductory press. It's the first thing everybody thinks of. It, it is now. <laughs> and he's, like you said, he's, he's an offensive coordinator um, in a role that's too big for him. He's actually reminds me a lot of uh, Rex Ryan in that, in that sense, where I think Rex Ryan is an incredible defensive coordinator. And I think when he gets to head coach, it becomes a little bit too much. They made it to a couple playoff games and they, they, they performed well, didn't end up winning anything, but those guys are suited for that one particular skill set. And, and Adam Gase can't control the whole team. And we're seeing that now with what's going on with Jamal Adams and, and everything. Just that's, I, I can't believe that they brought him back for another year. And, and I think ultimately that's the number one thing that you need in a head coach. It's someone who can manage not just both sides of the ball, offense and defense, but the three phases of the game, offense, defense, special teams. You hear Belichick talking about that all the time. If you are a motivator and you can get guys to play for you, I think that's the perfect job for a coordinator because you're going to be spending the most time with the players in the meeting room. So Rex Ryan, perfect example. Guys loved playing for him. He was a total players coach, but he didn't have enough control over the organization. I mean, I always think back to that Hard Knocks episode, the scene where he's uh, – talking to the team about their practice in Hofstra saying like, Oh, we were a bunch of jackasses. Well, you're the, you're the numb skull who let them be jackasses. Yeah, of course. Like you got to have some control over your team. Don't, don't just blame everybody else. You got to start looking in the mirror and hold some accountability. But um, with the acquisition of Cam Newton, I do think that new England will be competitive for the division this year. Uh, prior to that, I had their record anywhere between seven and nine and nine and seven hovering around that eight and eight, uh, just point of mediocrity, which again, who knows, it, it could have ended up being a, a first place division team, but, uh, here in new England, we're, we're not accustomed to wild card weekend. No, certainly not. Last year was, uh, it was weird to, to wake up that first, that first weekend of the playoffs and be like, Oh, there's, there's a game going on here. And something that actually matters for, for new England fans. And, um, Cam Newton, before before he came to New England, I had them pegged at six and ten. Um, just, I think their schedule was insanely tough. I don't think they'd win eleven games even if they had Brady. I think their schedule was the the most difficult in the league. Um, but I think Cam does bump it up a couple games. I do see them finishing around that eight and eight, nine and seven range. Which, in that in this division where a lot of them are going to beat up on each other. The Dolphins are rising up. I like Sam Darnold, so I still think the Jets could be something. And uh, we've already talked about how much we both like the Bills. Um, I think that this team could be super competitive. And Cam Newton will do a lot of things for this offense. They're not going to run. They're not going to run the same offense that Brady ran. That he's taking that with him down to Tampa Bay. We've seen when Jimmy Garoppolo came in, uh, or when they had uh, Tim Tebow in in training camp that. Josh McDaniels is willing to change a lot of things for the offense when he has a quarterback who's able to do different things. Yeah, so, well, 
he, you want to talk about revisionist history. Wasn't he the guy who was bringing in Lamar Jackson for all these workouts and they had the opportunity to draft him with the 32nd overall pick and they're like, ah, you know what? We'll pass on him. We've got a good enough backup quarterback in Brian Hoyer. Uh, we don't need to go in that direction. So I, I am also very excited to see what McDaniels is able to do. Uh, this is going to be it for him though, because if he isn't able to find some level of success and I mean, success is in, I think they need to win double digits. I think they need to make at least 10 games, uh, 10 victories. Cause if they don't, again, you're just kind of hovering in mediocrity and don't get me wrong, going nine and seven and winning your division for a lot of fan bases it's awesome. It's a thrill. And I think even for this team without Cam Newton, if they went nine and seven, won the division and were able to host a, a, a wild card playoff game, it'd be a lot of fun. It'd be a great season. You could see a lot of players developing, but you know, maybe there's not Super Bowl aspirations, but competitive for the conference championship. I think, you know, if you take out Baltimore and Kansas city who are, you know, the cream of the crop in the, uh, in the AFC, it's kind of wide open. I mean, there's a lot of competition to be had in the AFC South. I don't know what the hell Houston's going to be because they seem to be imploding from the inside out. Thank Another coach who's, who's in over his head. Bill O'Brien, thank you very much. And, uh, you know, the AFC West, again, you've got young talent. The Chargers are looking to uh, make a change at quarterback from Phillip Rivers. We don't know what the Denver Broncos are going to be with Drew Locke. They did pick up a, a pretty good uh, running back in Melvin Gordon. And then the Raiders, I mean, I thought the Raiders were going to be really competitive last year and they, they could give some teams fits. Uh, again, though, they're going to have to figure out their quarterback situation, whether or not it's uh, Derek Carr or the man formerly known as Mr. Heisman, Marcus Mariota. I, st- <laughs> I, I keep forgetting that they signed him. Like, yeah, guy still has a job. Either the, way. I think, the, yeah, you said the AFC is completely wide open and whoever finishes, I think... I think the top two seeds are pretty much determined, like you said. Chiefs, sure. Ravens are pretty much pretty much there. Um, but that third, that those third and fourth seeds, those are those are up for anybody. So yeah, I think I think they have the opportunity to take advantage and finish in those in the three to four seed. Um, it's just going to be whether or not Cam really adjusts and if he's healthy. That's a, that's obviously the biggest question yeah. is he's coming in off the list frank, he's coming in off the shoulder. There's a lot of questions about whether or not he's going to be able to do the things he used to be able to do. Am I expecting him to go run for 75 80 yards a game? No, that's not going to happen. Do I expect him to get like 10 12 rushing touchdowns a year? No, that's not going to happen. I expect him to come in they're probably going to run a lot more power offense now, especially down close. With with their running with Sony Michelle, they drafted two tight ends who can block, and they have Cam Newton, who's a one of the best goal line threats of all time, and he's yeah. a quarterback. Um, and then at the same time, I think it's going to take away maybe a little bit from the 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 long distance running game, the middle of the field running game. But I but I do think overall, if Cam Newton can succeed, he's he he's healthy. He's going to take this team and keep them around maybe a little bit less than what Brady was doing here. I think that team can, can still be successful. And I don't think it's going to cost anybody. Like, I don't think it's going to cost anybody their legacy. Like, I don't think Belichick's going to fall, fall down from, from graces because he lost a couple more games with a different quarterback than Tom Brady. 
um, I don't think Josh McDaniels will lose his job um, if he's if he's not successful with Cam Newton in his first year. I think what for Josh McDaniels, if he can prove that he can do stuff with Brady, Newton, and then who knows what happens next year, that puts him right on track to be a real prime head coaching candidate again. And and, and he and he's been uh, a head coaching candidate for what seems like the, between the last five and 10 years. I mean, since he came back to new England from, uh, he was an offensive coordinator in St. Louis for the Rams mm-hmm. back in 2011. And then somehow they allowed him on the staff for the playoffs. I don't, yeah, that's I, a crazy rule. I don't, I don't know the rules. I don't get the rules. It's, it, you know, you watch the games and whatever, uh, you know, whatever you see on TV and, or play on Madden, that's, that's pretty much what you figure out if you've never played the game itself. But he, um, I think he really screwed himself over in Indianapolis. And that was, again, another great opportunity where you had a healthy-ish Andrew Luck, unless, of course, there was some information that he knew that a lot of other guys didn't. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you can't stay in New England forever. I highly, highly doubt that he's going to be the next head coach of the Patriots. I don't even know if I would necessarily want him to be the next head coach of the Patriots. I do find the most successful coaches in this league to be defensive guys i know last year you had andy reed who's an offensive guy and the year before that other than you know or two years before that you had doug peterson who again is an offensive guy but offense seems to take care of itself there's there's so much uh innovation that comes from the college game that as long as you have a good coordinator and a good quarterback they seem to be in sync right Uh, you, you don't necessarily need to have a head coach who knows how to scheme up the power run or know when to call play action I think defense is way you – you hear the saying, defense wins championships, right? So if mm-hmm. you've got a head coach who can spend more time in the defensive room than the offensive room and put an emphasis on special teams, I think that's really what you're asking for. Um, but and That's fun. why I've been all aboard the Steve Belichick bandwagon for the next head coach of this team. Oh, boy. <laughs> is, he the, is he the one that got the long snap at Rutgers? Uh, I believe so. It was either him – him and his brother, one of them was the long snapper, one tried to be a quarterback. Yeah, well, tried. <laughs> the, uh, the legend of Greg Schiano and Rutgers will run deep through New England for, uh, for decades to come if he, if he takes over as head coach uh, of, of the Patriots. I think if he were going to do that, though, he would probably go like the, the Kyle Shanahan route where you might learn under your father, but then you have to go somewhere else and prove yourself before you come back to the organization where you started. Right. You can go to another organization like Shanahan had to go to Atlanta uh, or sorry. He had to go to um, San Francisco, right? So he was in Washington. He was in Atlanta. He was being taken care of and whatnot. And then, you know, you gotta, you gotta cut your teeth some way. Right. But it is funny that you mentioned Belichick, uh, because the way that things have kind of shook out during this offseason, obviously, uh, you know, St. Patrick's Day, we get the announcement right as the pandemic had started that uh, Tom Brady was not going to be coming back to the Patriots. And it was tough news to take at the time, but understandable because we had been a year removed from Rob Gronkowski retiring. So we were already, as Patriots fans, getting used to the, the, the changing of the guard, that there was going to be a next generation, that the quote-unquote Belichick-Brady dynasty was, was coming to an end or, or was over. Um, I did not see Gronkowski coming out of retirement and then getting traded to Tampa Bay. I did not even see Brady deciding to go to Tampa Bay. I thought he was going to end up in Los Angeles on the Chargers or Tennessee with Mike Vrabel. Um, 
so there have been a lot of surprises. And then with Belichick's move to sign Newton for, like you said, short-term deal, short money, uh, it's a million and a half or 1.75, I think, is the base salary up to seven and a half guaranteed, like you said. So is there like an arms race going between Boston and Tampa Bay? It, it, it's, it's funny to think about that these two teams would be fighting against each other during the offseason, but that seems to be exactly what's happening. It's not Bill and Tom. It's Bill versus Tom. That, that seems to be the outside, the outside narrative from like a nationwide thing. It looks like that uh, everybody's rooting for one side or the other. And that's pretty much, you're, you're getting some of that locally, but I think more locally, I think you're getting uh, a lot of people, who, oh, I'm, I'm a Bucks fan now too. Like that, that's what that's people are going to watch. That's and ridiculous. I, and I don't think you can say that like, yeah, I'll root, I'll, I'll support Tom Brady in, in games that they don't play the Patriots. I'll support him the whole time. But it, when it comes down to it, you're a Patriots fan. Yeah. You can't, you can't just like switch your loyalties because a player it, it's, it's a, it's a team, not, not a player. Like that, that doesn't make sense. Right. You don't, this is like the fantasy footballification of, of sports is like, everybody is just watching players and that's all they care about. They don't care about the team. It, you can't go from supporting a team your entire life. We're both 25. I've been watching this team. I went to my first game when I was three. So I've been going to this, going to Gillette, going to Foxborough stadium since I was 20 since uh, for 22 years. Mm. And like, that's not going to change. I'm not going to go pick up and go to Raymond James stadium. No. To go to go support Tom Brady, Belichick's Belichick I, in my mind is is a big part. I think is a bigger part of all of this than Brady was, and you now you now you ride with whatever the next step in the journey is. That's that's the whole point of being a fan. And a lot of people they'll they want to jump off the bandwagon because a team may not be as successful as they once were. But do you, do you understand how spoiled we've been over the last 20, 21 years? This is an unprecedented run and it probably will never happen again, especially in Boston. Yeah. You, it, you have to understand that there's, there's, there's always going to be periods of time where a team dips a little bit and you don't have to go. Oh, and 16, something that happens to some teams, but you can still ride the middle and then jump back up. It happens all the time in sports. So I don't, I don't understand why so many people are, are jumping off the bandwagon going to find another team when the guy who has put everything together the two guys in Belichick and Robert Kraft are still here. So I don't know why you would consider jumping ship from, from, for them to go with Brady and in Tampa. Yeah. The team you probably don't even know. Well, I can certainly understand and, and sympathize with the fans who are sad to see Brady go. And it, Oh, I'm, it- I'm one of them too. Like I, the, I would, I thought I was ready. We, they, you've been, like you said, they've been saying for years that Brady's dad said, this is not going to end well. Right. Brady will leave. This is one of one of these guys is going to want to move on before everybody else. And that's Belichick's whole thing. He gets rid of guys a year too early rather than a year too late. That's been the whole thing the whole time. I thought I was ready for that. And then when the news dropped, I was I was upset. I was sad. I was like, this guy has been the quarterback of my favorite team pretty much my entire life. And on the other side, he's going to another team. Like I'm going to have to watch him play somewhere else. Well, it was the way it ended because you had that wild card game, which again, we're not used to watching meaningful Patriots games on wild card weekend. Um, by the way, 0-2 in their last wild, two wild card games. The other uh, one was the Jets one? Or the no, Ravens? that was a divisional game. It was oh, the, okay. the Ravens in 0-9. So yep, yep, yep. 
Patriots play on Wild Card Weekend. That's, I guess that's when you get their number, uh, which is a good indication because it probably means that they're not a very strong team that year. Right. But was, was I expecting them to lose in the Wild Card game? I wasn't expecting them to, but I wasn't surprised that they did because the team was not that good. They were a fraudulent 12-4, and four, and that loss against Miami just goes to show it. Um, but there were signs. Uh, you, you had the, uh, the Seth Wickersham article that was released a couple of years ago in the 2017 season. Ironically, it was the postseason of 2017 when they made their run against um, uh, the Eagles that was, mm-hmm. for that Super Bowl. And there were rumors out there about Brady maybe uh, being more problematic than, uh, you know, helpful. There was, uh, I I believe there was a reference to a pass that he had thrown to Chris Hogan that was probably not designed to get him hurt, but did end up in him getting hurt. So just someone's throwing Brady under the bus. And at that point, that's when I started to realize, okay, there, the, the end is coming a lot faster than, uh, than I wanted it to. Right. But again, the way that it ended, it just sort of seemed like the bottom fell out. Like we had two decades of greatness, two decades where we could look forward to games, two decades where we had expectations of Super Bowl or bust, if not conference championship, right? Mm-hmm. Playing in the conference championship, eight years in a row, nine years in a row. Uh, it's unprecedented. It, it's, and it's a lot of fun. And as a fan, that's what you want. You want to have fun when you watch sports. It's not about being a homer. It's not about being on a bandwagon or whatever. It's about enjoying something that other people can enjoy with you. So yeah, when Brady left, I was upset, but I was more concerned about the future. I understand that Belichick can coach longer than Brady can play, but since the fourth quarter of Super Bowl 49, I came to the realization Belichick pretty much gets them to the playoffs. He gets them double-digit wins every year. Brady's the reason that they have six championships. Now, I'm not saying every single one of them is because of him, but like certainly the first Super Bowl, you know, he wins MVP. I think he passed for like 170 yards or something like right. that. It was ridiculous, like one touchdown, but different game back then. Um. But I, I, I just, losing Brady to me took the identity away from the team. They're still the Patriots, but it's going to be a different look. And that's not including the fact that they're going to those awful color rush jerseys as well. <laughs> God, that's a totally different story. But, you know, losing, losing Brady had left a gap and you had Brian Hoyer and Jarrett Stidham who were going to be your replacements. Jarrett Stidham was not drafted to be Tom Brady's replacement. No matter how much they want to tell you he was. If Jarrett Stidham was drafted to be the replacement for Tom Brady, he wasn't going in the fourth round. Mm -hmm. Nobody in their right mind. You get Bill Belichick, right, who's supposed to be this genius coach, genius general manager, which my ass, he's a genius general manager, decides to take the next franchise quarterback that's going to be under center for the next 10 to 15 years in the fourth round when you could have had Lamar Jackson a year earlier. Mm -hmm. No. There's no way, no way. And that's not including the rumors that they were willing to try and jump up to the second overall spot. For if Baker. Cleveland, if Cleveland, yeah, which, you know, Baker Mayfield, whatever he is, uh, you know, that's to be determined. I think once he gets a stable head coach once again, uh, you know, we'll find out exactly what he's capable of at the NFL level. But Belichick's not an idiot. He knows he needs a quarterback. Stidham, 
I'm not going to lie. I've seen him throw four passes in the regular season in mm-hmm. a meaningful football game. One of them was returned for pick six. So early impressions on Jarrett Stidham, not impressed. Uh, could he be good in the future? Maybe. Who knows? But I think it's necessary that they give him a year or two to develop, to learn more about being a professional, to get comfortable with the offense, especially with the change in the offensive scheme. He's not going to pick up Tom Brady's playbook and, you know, roll the balls out and all of a sudden they're going to be 11 and 5, 12 and 4. It's just not going to happen. So no. if you want to give him a little bit extra time, sure. Sign Cam Newton. One year, maybe you pay him a million dollars, two million dollars. Maybe you have to pay him seven or eight million dollars. Either way, you're paying less than ten million dollars to the quarterback position. That's including all three guys. Mm-hmm. That's how you run an operation. Yeah, and, and Stidham gets to sit behind another quarterback who's been successful in a league, learning a different skill set. If he can sit back and and learn some of the offense that Cam Newton's learning, now he's learned from Tom Brady, a, a known pocket passer. Um, does everything the exact same way pretty much every time. Cam Newton, who's a little bit more athletic, uh, well, I'll say way oh, more athletic than he's Tom a lot Brady. more athletic. <laughs> I was I was saying a little bit more athletic than Jared Sidham, who's pretty athletic. Sure. Um, for him to learn from both from both quarterbacks, both styles that that type of that type of knowledge is is priceless. At 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 his right. age, from coming with the fourth round. Uh, being a transfer in college, having a terrible senior season at Auburn. It's like he could be something, but give him time. It's you not, not every day do people come out of the woodwork as sixth round picks, 199th right. overall and become right. great players. You see it this past year, this, this draft of just a couple months ago with um, the Eagles, when they decided to, to go out and draft the quarterback in the second round, even though they drafted the quarterback first overall, just, three years ago, four mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. So they team teams aren't going to find guys in the rough planning for them being their starter. So you're exactly right. Sidham Sidham wasn't the plan. He ended up being the the oh oh shit, we have no we have no quarterback now. What are we gonna do? And and I was impressed with him in uh, in the preseason last year. I mean I think Jarrett Stidham is the number one reason that Jacoby Myers has a job in the NFL. That being said, preseason football, regular season football, and playoff football are totally different. And absolutely, you know, having the experience that Cam Newton has, having been there but not necessarily done that, it's going to be better for the team in the short term. Long term, we'll have to wait and see what uh, the repercussions are of possible division in the locker room. I know that when the offseason began and Stidham was the quote unquote guy, there were players coming out in support of him saying, Jarrett's our guy. We have a lot of confidence in him. And then all of a sudden, boom, Cam Newton signs a contract. And two or three days later, you see Mohamed Sanu out in California training with him. Like, okay. It seemed like a, it it seemed like it was a pretty quick ship to jump right there. Like, I feel like a lot of players have flipped the switch to, oh, this is Cam Newton's team already. Yeah. And and don't get me wrong. If I'm working for a a company and and my boss or or whoever's helping me make my, uh, make my bones is, you know, an average supervisor and then all of a sudden i get uh elon musk to come in and and start running things for i think i'm probably going to (laughs) be a little excited about that too because probably some guys know how to win and some guys just don't know how to win yet we'll put it that way don't know how to win yet we don't want to write off Jarrett stidham immediately um but 
I, I think we can, it's pretty safe to say that he is not going to be the immediate replacement for Brady. No, it doesn't, it doesn't appear that way at least. And who knows, there are people who have been saying um, that the part of the reason why, and this could be a small reason why, I don't think it's the primary reason um, that they brought in Cam Newton was because of the, the virus going around that you may need an extra quarterback, but you don't go out and get, an MVP caliber quarterback for that reason. You go out and you sign your your Christian Ponders, your Blaine Gabberts. You go out and right. you sign your your Matt Moore's Chase Daniel. Um, you don't I mean, go out and sign Cam Newton for, even, for for that reason. Even especially this late in the off season when you had guys like Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, they were available. They were out on the market the same time that Cam Newton was. If you want to go and sign a backup quarterback, you sign a backup quarterback. Now, there's been some talk on local sports radio that Cam Newton is not going to be a backup because he just doesn't have the personality for it. Um, listen, when you're only getting paid a million dollars, a million and a half dollars, and you're going to be playing for Bill Belichick, you do whatever the hell he tells you to do. If that mm-hmm. means that you have a job, great. If it means you don't have a job, then he'll probably go and find one somewhere else. But I mean, is he going to hold the clipboard? Probably not. But for a million dollars, you could pay him to, to hold a clipboard. Yeah, um, I think the competitor in him won't allow him to do it. I think that's what it is. I think the competitor in him will allow him to get to the next level, and I think that will get him to be if, – if he is struggling and it's looking like he's going to be the backup, the backup quarterback in this scenario, I don't think he lets himself get that low. I, I think he picks up his play. I don't think – I don't think he lets himself become Jared Stidham's backup. Well, do you have any concerns about Cam Newton outside of health? Uh, I don't, but I know someone who does. <laughs> uh, that would be one Michael Felger. Michael Felger. Well, I'll tell you what. The concerns when it comes to Cam Newton, Felger is um, – I don't think he's wrong. It's, it's not a lack of competitiveness. He works hard. He's dedicated to his craft. I could give two shits about what the guy looks like. I mean, he arrived in Foxborough looking like the fucking Hamburglar yesterday. <laughs> so, you know, if he wants to, the hair does kind of piss me off, though. I just wanted to change that. I just think it's bad. I just think it's a bad hairstyle. It's a, it's a horrible haircut. So, Cam, if you're listening, please just change it up a little bit. Right. Continue to wear whatever you want, but the hair, got to go. Um, but, yeah, the idea that the celebrations mean that he is – not dedicated to the game or anything like that. I don't buy into the fact that he doesn't jump on a loose ball that he fumbles with five minutes left to go in a one score game in the Super Bowl. That gives me cause for concern. Yeah. That's that's been his question his entire career. I feel like it's, it was, I feel it was one mistake in the, on the biggest stage and the biggest moment of his career. When everybody's watching, you can't make a mistake there. I just I I think it's just a one instance that he's shown so many other times that he's just been he's been so good and I think he has that will and has that drive but I I do get what you're saying though that that one instance so big so immense that that basically took their chances of winning that Super Bowl away from them and he, and he made the business decision as everybody likes to call it but I I just don't think that can make up everything about him 
Yeah, I think the, the way he handled it may not have been great afterwards, saying that he was concerned that his leg was going to contort in some way, and then, you know, clapping back at the reporter who asked him the question, saying, oh, me fumbling that ball wasn't the reason we lost that game. No, it wasn't the reason that you lost the game. The reason you lost the game was because you didn't score enough points. It's because you didn't do your job in the other 59 minutes and 59 seconds of the game. So if you want to blame one play, you know, as, as a media or fans or whatever, fine, you can do that. I think that's ridiculous to just say, well, we lost this game because of that one player. We lost this game because the official missed one bad call. It's like that takes place over the course of like five or 10 seconds in a football game. There's right. way more opportunities to succeed. I mean, so let's say you don't score a touchdown on the one play that you get screwed over. Take seven points off the board. And the way these kickers are, take six points off the board because nothing's guaranteed. <laughs> You're going to tell me that you have to win the game six to five, that your defense is only going to allow five points. And that's like, no, I'm not, I'm not buying that. But again, you do whatever it takes to win the game. And if it simply just means to fall on the football so that you can kick to an anemic Denver offense with the corpse of Peyton Manning and a great Carolina defense who played very well up until that point in the game, mm-hmm. then you do it. But he wasn't thinking. And I think that's the number one concern that a lot of Boston sports fans and media types may try and pull on him is that he doesn't necessarily think the game through. He's not a system quarterback. He likes to dance around and make, you know, different adjustments and use his body more than his head and this, that, and the other. Aaron Rodgers is the same way. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is a phenomenal quarterback, phenomenal talent, but this is a guy who would rather dance around for five seconds in the pocket and escape and throw some ball, you know, 50 yards down the field into double coverage, than throw like a three yard check down and just keep moving the chains. Some quarterbacks want all the glory and some quarterbacks just want to win. I think, you know, in new England with whatever happens with Cam Newton, we're going to find that out. Is he about the glory or is he about the winning? In the last couple of years in Carolina, you saw him starting to change a little bit. He was constantly checking down to McCaffrey. I think that's one of the things that made them so great the last couple of years. No, the record didn't necessarily reflect them being one of the best teams in the league, but his ability to use the the pass catching running back and and check down to him and Greg Olson, I think that certainly helps, and I think that will translate pretty well in New England, where Felger. His whole thing about the celebrations is is ludicrous. I mean, we've already – I feel like that's been berated enough on Twitter for yeah. the amount of people who have said – who have just – I the amount of times I've seen the um, Bill Belichick football life clip of Belichick. Okay, so to that, that means to me you can celebrate as long as it's a team celebration. Belichick wants his players to be emotional. He wants them to be excited about the moment. But he's not interested in superseding the team's identity by choreographing a special celebration. You know, I think uh, everybody always was, everybody was talking about Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. Tom Brady does the fist bumps, the let's fucking go. Rob Gronkowski's got the Gronk spike. He's the, those are not revolutionary celebrations. Fist bumping and football spiking have been in the game for decades. Right. And neither one of them is based on some perceived notion of I'm bigger than the team. I'm bigger than the game. It's all based out of emotion. It's a first down or it's a touchdown. That's the only time they would celebrate. You know, it's, it's funny. I saw um, Rich Eisen did respond to the, uh, the Felger and Maz soundbite. He's basically saying that Boston sports fans are only happy when they're unhappy. 
that that's that's the epitome so true it's the epitome of especially felger and maz audience i feel like is exactly like that it's it's people who want to suffer and that consistently listen to things that they disagree with with giselle complaining about the weather in new england how cold and miserable it is i'm surprised she wasn't more bitter about things uh and became more of a boston homer herself (laughs) i i just don't i just don't understand it makes like and you've seen people like there have been other players who have done a ton of individual celebrations. Like Sony Michelle has a celebration, I believe. Is it Sony Michelle or James White? Yeah, Sony Michelle has the 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 hands waving, and and James White has the I don't even know what his dance is, but he has his own little dance. Obviously, we can't explain it on a podcast. Right. But he has his own dance. Um, although people don't like to talk about him, Aaron Hernandez had the had the opening up the safe, throwing the money in the air dance. Yeah. But, there have that, been plenty one, of players. That one maybe uh, had some dual meaning to it. But, uh... <laughs> Little did we know. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what was happening. Mm-hmm. But uh, where I, I just think it's baseless, just that whole, yeah. that whole argument. It's just eventually Cam's going to go out and he's going to show everybody exactly the type of player he is. This is a year he has – he's making almost no money. He's – the, the biggest underdog for an MVP quarterback I think I've ever heard. And now he's coming into a team that without Brady and with Belichick, they know how to win. They know how to, right. they know how to be act like they've been there before. And it's not just, it's not just the coach. It's the other leaders on the team. You have the Devin and Jason McCourty. You yep. have, you have the Gerard Mayo in, in the locker room yep. and uh, from the defensive co-defensive coordinator spot. You have guys who have been there. You have Dante Hightower. All these guys have been there. They know how to win. They know how to act. I don't think Cam Newton's going to completely tone it down and become emotionless Cam, just walking back and forth, like puts the ball down when he scores and and walks back to the huddle. I don't think that's happening. But I do think you're not going to get eccentric, over-the-top Cam. But I I think there's a middle ground there. Yeah, I mean, Bill certainly lets the players be the players he he embraces their personalities as as football guys um you know i i I will always always remember him saying that uh the number one thing that he looks for in a player is availability right Mm -hmm. and right along with availability or, or really just games played he wants guys who love football and i think that cam newton does love football just based on how he's working out and what he's doing in the off season right now, coming off of that Liz Frank injury, this is, this is a guy, he loves football. He cares about football, but he cares about a lot of other stuff in his life too. I mean, it, 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 I will admit to you, Mike, it, it would be very difficult for me to be a national champion, Heisman trophy winning first overall pick NFL MVP. Uh, we'll call him an NFC champion. Uh, Oikos triple zero spokesperson <laughs> and not have a little bit of an ego, right? Oh yeah. It would be pretty damn difficult. And you know what? Belichick does punish his players when they go out of line, when they're not following along that quote unquote Patriot way. You know, you could just go look at Wes Welker back before the 2010 divisional round against the jets mm-hmm. where he's making all the foot references. Um, you know, that's, no pun intended that does step over the line uh and he was punished for it now whether or not the punishment actually meant anything i think he just sat out the first series and then they brought him in to receive a punt and whatever happened after that we don't need to talk about but 
Belichick is aware of on the field and off the field. And his focus is first and foremost on the field. But if you're going to be an idiot off the field, he's not going to let it slide. Yeah. I just so, think, I just think camp needs to get the chance to be an idiot before everybody starts clowning him for things that haven't even happened yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's no question about it. You, you uh, can, you can clown him for the, the, the thing a couple of years back with the, uh, with the reporter, the female reporter who, uh, who he said, uh, what was it that he said? Uh, weird I to hear a, a female talking, talking about routes, asking questions about routes. Like you can get, you can get on him for that, but you can't get on him for things that haven't, that haven't happened yet. He hasn't, you know, he hasn't come to new England and acted like an idiot yet. That and, hasn't happened. And the national media for everything that they do wrong. They did get on him for that. Mm-hmm. They, they did eviscerate him for that. And I don't know for a fact, but I'm pretty sure that he came out afterwards and apologized and, you know, probably said something to the effect of, I shouldn't have said what I said or I should, you know. Right. So, I mean, there's, there's a show of remorse. There's a, a, a change where you admit you had done something wrong and then you change. And to this point, like you said, since he signed on the dotted line and become a New England Patriot, which I think as of yesterday or this morning is officially official, um, what has he done wrong? What can you criticize him about? Nothing. Nothing. No, and, and that's the whole thing that media does too. Like that, we just we're we're looking for something to stir the pot. We're we're looking for something that, I mean, let's be honest. There's no sports happening right there's now. There's no sports happening. <laughs> you got to come up Nothing. with conversations. I get it, but at some point you got to be like, now you're possibly uh, tarnishing this guy's image before he even gets to a city. Right. This is exactly what happened with like people who hated Kyrie before he came to Boston. This is exactly what happened with a lot of guys like that. Kyrie may have deserved it at the well, end. May yeah, have they, deserved they it at the end. Right. But you are, you are starting off on the wrong foot when you do stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, the last thing you want to do as a fan is listen to media types who are painting a, a guy in a, into a corner as a bad guy before he even throws the jersey on. Right. They've already got a bad taste in their mouth. I mean, you David Price, perfect example. Mm-hmm. The guy who came to Boston, not to win a World Series, but to make money. They offered him millions and millions more than, than the Cardinals. I think they gave him an additional like $30 million over the course of this, the same length of, of contract. So nobody's going to turn that down. He didn't want to be here. And we didn't necessarily want him here. I'm glad that he was here. I really enjoyed him in the 2018 postseason after the first game against the Yankees. But you just sort of have to, as impatient as a New Englander can be, just give the guy a chance. Just give the guy a chance. I mean, Ron Rivera, he was basically the one to say, don't bet against Cam Newton. He's going to be ready to bust out. Now, what that means, I'm not sure, because he also had an opportunity to sign him, and instead he decided to trade for his backup. So how much does the weight of Ron Rivera's words carry? Uh, obviously, Ron Rivera, now the head coach of the Washington, well, for now, Redskins. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Cam Newton's gotten a lot of potential. There's a lot of potential for success. There's a lot of potential for team success, individual success. And I'd be lying if I said I wasn't looking forward to the start of the football season, not only because we haven't had sports in a long time, but because it's going to be fun to see what Cam Newton can do. Yeah. Exactly. Just give the man a chance. 
So speaking of Ron Rivera and our, uh, our infamous Washington football team, there's been some, uh, some pushback recently again. Yeah, it's it's not even really recently. I mean, I feel like my entire life I've heard pushback on this team's name, and I can't believe it's taking this long for this. Dan Snyder is my probably my least favorite person in the entire sports world because he is just so incompetent. And the fact that he gets chance after chance and just because he has the money that he can he can do whatever he wants with this team. The, no, you're an idiot. You've done nothing with your team since like the 70s. They've they've been incompetent. You've you offended millions of people across the world, especially in the United States and where your team is in the capital city of the country. You can't keep acting like this is an okay name to keep. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. Growing up as a sports fan, the Redskins, it, it didn't have a meaning to me. I just thought of it as a, as a football team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as you get older and as you start to understand things about the world and, and different different people and that there's diversity and not everybody's going to not only look the same as you, but they're not going to think the same as you. There needs to be a, a call to action. And I think that, you know, with what's been going on in society over the last couple of months um, and really the last couple of years, I just think that with with everybody being kind of quarantined at home, it's given us an opportunity to, to see what the state of the country, what the state of the world is like. And we've been able to kind of like look inwardly at ourselves and at those around us and basically just see where things are going. Um, so yeah, are the, is Washington going to change their team name? I think they probably will at this point. I mean, Rivera is also on record as saying that it would be awesome if they changed their name before the 2020 season. I don't think that's really going to happen just because of merchandising and licensing and whatever you want to call it. But um, do you actually know the origins of the team name? Uh, I'm No, I'm not familiar with the origins of the team name. I just, like you said, I think FedEx Field, FedEx is saying that they, they want to pull their, their naming rights if, if they, they don't change their name. Yeah, and I think FedEx, that's, it's huge. FedEx, uh, Pepsi, and there was one other sponsor that said that they were threatening to pull out of a deal. And I don't know if it was with the NFL or if it was just with the Redskins, but... I mean, Nike this, pulled all of their, their stuff off there? Yep, 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 it was Nike. So... This this is why Dan Snyder has a job, by the way. It's because he owns a football team, and the football team's around to make money. Right. You know, as fans, we want to think that sports are around for championships and wins, but the reality of the situation is it's all based on money. It's yeah, it's all how business. These, it's how these guys make a living. It's it's less about recreation. It's more about entertainment. You know, I actually remember this is a quick aside. I remember I was watching a video of uh, the former. Uh, general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, Brian Burke, Providence College alumni. <laughs> Soft flex there. Um, and he was talking at a, um, like a business symposium about sports management. And one of the topics that was brought up was who his competition is. So if you're the general manager or the president, of a sports organization, of a franchise, your competition in theory would be the teams that you play. And he was like, no, my competition, it's not the you know, Montreal Canadiens or the Ottawa Senators or the Boston Bruins or any of those teams in the NHL. My competition is the movie theater down the street. 
or the concert hall or the Toronto Blue Jays that are playing a game at seven o'clock when we're playing a game at seven o'clock. His competition are other businesses where as a fan, I can choose to spend my money elsewhere. And I think when ownership more than management, but ownership understands that, the teams usually have a lot more success when it's the responsibility of management to worry about the finances and not the personnel, that's when you run into a lot of problems. Um, but getting back to the Redskins. So they actually, they originated in Boston. Did you know that? Yeah, I, I did know that. So in 1932, they were uh, nicknamed the Boston Braves football team. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to be confused with the Boston Braves baseball team. But after the 32 season, they moved to Fenway Park and decided that they needed to change the name to avoid confusion. So they changed it to the Boston Redskins. There was a guy by the name of William Henry Lone Star Dietz. And he was named head coach of the Redskins. Probably not only for this reason, but a footnote in history was that he was thought to be a part of the Sioux tribe so that he would have been a Native American himself and would be representative of the uh, the nickname that was given to the franchise. But it's more probable than not to take a line from Mr. Ted Wells. Thanks a lot, Ted. Uh, he was not a Native American. He was, as the quote said in the article that I read, he was masquerading around as, as a Native when in reality he was just another white guy. <laughs> so that's... See, it's right like- Stuff right off like the that. bat, you've got this hypocritical franchise that's like, oh, we're going to call ourselves the Redskins. And they had nothing to, nothing to do with the team. They hired a coach that they thought was a Native American. Nothing to do with it. And, and you can say that there are teams like, like the Chiefs, and you can make the argument that they are paying somewhat homage to the, the, the Chiefs of, of Native American tribes. The term Redskin is just racist. It's just flat out racist. And people have just been saying it. We've been saying it in this podcast. It's just things that you're allowed to say. It doesn't make any sense because it's a team name. And it's just this nationally accepted thing to, that you're just allowed to call a group of people by the color of their face. How, is, how crazy is that? You know, the, the idea behind this is Dan Snyder's on record is saying this, that the supporters, they, they, they say that the supporters of the team name um, say it honors the achievements and virtues of Native Americans. How? Uh, don't now listen. Like we're on a podcast. I am very pale, very white. Same. I'm Welsh, <laughs> Italian, German, and Irish. Even I know that the name's probably not good. I mean, it's just it's. It never used to be an issue that would irritate me because I just looked at them as a football team. Mm. But once you start to really dig deeper and find out more about the franchise and, and who, like, did you know that they were the last American football team to integrate? I did not know that. So this is, listen, don't get me wrong. Again, I'm not trying to call out or cancel the Washington Redskins. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that. Right. We're just asking them to change their name. We're just asking them to be like, okay, this is something that's gone on long enough. We're going to make the change, not to appease people, 
but to just kind of catch up with society. I mean, there's just some things that as time goes on, we become more aware of. And I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. It's it's just, it's it's not going to, it's not like this team or this organization is going to lose its, it's recognition with the, with the sport. Like people aren't going to go like, Oh, here's the Washington generals. I didn't know that they were a football team. Yeah. <laughs> um, had I, I, I don't even associate Washington with anything that's other than the word redskin. Um, it, it's like the whole, the whole thing with um, what, what are they changing now? The, um, the Mrs. Butterworth, like people, people. Oh, get Aunt Jemima. Yes. Aunt Jemima. Thank you. People are getting up in arms that Aunt Jemima's, getting changed from the pretty racially insensitive caricature that they made this character out to be yeah. their, their, their face of their, their company. And people were like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to stop supporting this thing. It, it's just good maple syrup. If it's, if it's in right. a, a, a bottle shaped like a, a woman or a, a bottle shaped like a, a, a friggin' bottle, you're going to, you're gonna right. still going to buy it. Right. Stop, stop acting like thing you're, you're outraged over things that aren't going to really affect your life. It's, oh, you can't say Redskin now. You're going to have to say the, the Washington senators or something. Uh, it, it doesn't really change your life all that much. You're still going to go to, to probably FedEx Field if it changes uh, and, go watch, and go watch the football team. So and have the same connection with the team. See, this is like you said, though, can become a bit of a slippery slope, which is the argument that you usually hear from the other side. At, at, at what point is too much or how far is too far? Like the Cleveland Indians, they've come out recently and said that they're going to evaluate their team name. A couple of years ago, they, they axed the, uh, the mascot, Chief yeah, Wahoo. Chief Wahoo. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's, that's a mascot then when you, as a kid, because I remember playing uh, an old MLB baseball game, you come across that logo and you're like, oh, that's a funny cartoon character. And then as you grow up, you realize it's supposed to be a caricature of a human being. Probably not that cool. Right. That, that being said, though, so there's something, that, again, in, in looking into the, uh, the, the Washington name change, the uh, National Congress of American Indians, or the NCAI, who have been one of the more vocal groups against team names and suggestive team names or, or names that marginalize a group of people. If the word Indian is inside that title, I think that calling a team the Indians is safe. Now, again, I'm not the person who can make that decision. I'm just putting two and two together and using what I would say is the associative property if you can call yourselves the National Congress of American Indians, but the baseball team can't call themselves the Cleveland Indians, is it one of those, well, we can call ourselves that, but you can't call yourselves that type thing? Which, again, a uh, whole other argument to get into. Right. But I think, I think that might be the case on that one. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure. I, I think if, if people... Uh, if Native Americans are offended that it is called it, that that team is called the Indians, especially when if you go back to the original term for Indians in the United States was because they thought we were in India, like it's just flat out wrong. Right. That's just not who these people are. Right. Um, it, if they're if they're offended by by the fact that it's called an Indian, I mean, again, what is it going to harm us to to change the team name? 
the and you you do ha- you have been hearing a lot of people who have been like oh you're gonna have to change the the yankees name too huh because like that's offensive to me because i'm from the north i'm like you're not offended by that stop right, lying you're not, you're not you're not that's stop like uh, you're just saying things to say them last year for for those of you who don't know uh Major League Baseball last year, they changed the name of the disabled list to the injured list because right. they thought it was. A, but then they changed it back. Nobody, nobody was offended by that. Nobody, nobody ever was, thought that the disabled was offended list. by it. Yeah, I, re- nope. I was. <laughs> I remember I was listening to one show. I forget which show it was, but they were saying like, "Yeah, you're not going to be able to steal bases or call it a home run because not everybody has a home." So <laughs> going to have to call it like, a, like <laughs> just that that type of stuff. You know what? We we live in a in a time where if you can be mad about something, you might as well be mad about it because no, nobody's going to push back against you or hell, there's nothing better to do. There's no sports on. We're all going crazy. There's no sports on. I used to come home every day. I'd come home. I'd put on Celtics game, Red Sox game, Bruins game, whatever was on that night, sit down, eat my dinner, go to bed. I haven't watched a single a single, not even an old sporting event. This entire quarantine, really. I've sat, I've sat around and I've done literally nothing, and I am going insane. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, I think as we're slowly getting back to normalcy and some type of schedule, um, you know, it, it'll be nice to to have something to look forward to at night. Um, which again, you know, we're in July and we have not just reports but confirmation. We're getting sports back at the end of this month. Major League Baseball, they're scheduled to come back on July 23rd. NBA is scheduled. They originally were scheduled to come back on the uh, the 31st. They're up to like the, the third. I'm just happy that we're going to have new content because it wasn't just that when sports left, there was nothing to watch. It's that sports left at the same time. It seems like everything else left. Like entertainment companies weren't producing anything because they had no way to produce it. I mean, the only thing that we had to keep ourselves sane was the internet. And with everybody being at home working or in school, everybody's internet connection sucks. So we couldn't even use that. But like I said, we're slowly getting back to, to normalcy. We, we've had Major League Baseball players. They've reported to their, uh, to their camps, so to speak, um, which has to be crazy thinking about holding training camp or spring training, summer training at Fenway Park. Yeah. Like, have you seen any of the videos from the players? So I've like, seen, some of them are masked up. I've seen that. Yeah, and I like uh, I saw Michael Chavis was posting. Uh, they, they put them all in like the the suites above the above like in the um, like over in by the, the luxuries. Yeah, yeah. Up, up the luxury suites. So they're all like staying in there like every day, which is so they're, li- and, they're living at Fenway. I, I'm not sure if they're living there. I don't think they're living there, but like they're. It'll be like two players to a suite. Uh, I think I don't remember who was with Chavis. It was uh, oh Verdugo. I think it was Chavis and Verdugo. Okay. And they they just get this whole suite. They Chavis put up with like a tour of the whole room, and it's it's huge. Like, but you're living, and you're you're working in in a, basically in a bubble without yeah. it actually being a bubble. You're going home and you're going to work, and that's all you can do. But now you're in Fenway, which is a, a I'll say it. It's a little bit better than Tampa. Sorry. The way that they have things set up though at Fenway, like they, so they're using suites as places for them to stay during the day, but they're not living there. Yeah. It look, it looks like maybe it's like their own clubhouse. The way that they had like stuff up there is like two players in, in one of the suites is that that's their own clubhouse. And I think, 
I think it's 40 players that are up there. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I didn't know that they had 20 suites, but pretty cool to know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a completely different atmosphere than, than living down at JetBlue Park, probably uh, staying with either at a hotel or at a luxury compound of some sort. Um, yeah, it must, it must be pretty different. And, and they're coming back. They just released their, their first round of testing results for the virus. And it was uh, 1.2% of their 3,185 tests that they put out um, came back positive, which uh, if you do that math, what's, what is that real quick? Like 40 players? So. 300? 1% isn't that, of... Isn't that 10%? <laughs> Are we bad at math? Go Am I bad at math? Somebody get a calculator. <laughs> I, I don't know what the percentage is. I have a calculator right here. I'm doing well, it. I'm, how, many, how many players was it? It was 3,185. So it would be 31. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, like 30 or so players. We'll round up to we're, 32. We're bad at math. We'll say it. We're not bad at math. I was just unprepared. <laughs> uh, we were unprepared. We weren't, we weren't given the questions beforehand. It's episode one, guys. We've got to so figure, out, figure things out. There was no study guide. I was not given this. Yeah, this anyway. wasn't on the syllabus. 32 players for 30 teams. That's not terrible. No, That's not. way better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Like, as long as you're keeping those players away and the other players are doing their job remaining either socially distant from people, not, or some people like David Price, as we mentioned earlier, yeah. who are opting out of the season. That's the, as long as that happens, I have a little bit more faith today when those numbers were released, I believe yesterday or the day before, mm -hmm. I have a little more faith today than I did last week that they were going to be a baseball season. Yeah, no, I mean, these are, it's so cliched to say at this point, but these are unprecedented times. And listen, I mean, if David Price was still in Boston, he was like, I'm not playing baseball this year. I, That's I pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I'd be pissed off. Now, one of the things I'm excited about, if I'm not mistaken, again, not super sure of the CBA in Major League Baseball, but the Los Angeles Dodgers were paying him close to about 10 or 11 million to play this year, and Boston was paying him about 20 million to play against them this mm -hmm. year. Uh, I'm assuming that Boston's going to be able to keep that 20 million dollars now whether or not they're going to be able to reuse it on other players i don't even think any players are going to be available like this whole trade deadline is going to be happening on the first of uh september or something like that like right at the halfway point i think they're doing the trade deadline there's probably not going to be a lot of moves there's probably not going to be a lot of players available but i mean that's 20 million dollars that you don't have to spend on top of you know whatever was going on with mookie Betts, if he was going to sign if he wasn't going to sign you could take that twenty million that you were planning on just giving away to David Price. Hey, how about this? Give it to Mookie Betts. Right, and you'll you'll find a ton of people in Boston who hate David Price, and shockingly, I'm not one of them. But no, no I I I have always liked David Price. I think what he did with Eckersley, bad look. Yeah, terrible that look. That wasn't but great. I think for what how he how he performs, I think he's a very very solid pitcher, and even more. Players seem to love him, and I I wonder if David Price opting out means that more players might follow suit. He's considered a, a that's what we always hear is that the people in the bullpen, the people in the pitching staff, they love David Price. Well, He's it's, a great it's very 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 likely I think that other players opt out. I mean, just in in baseball alone, you Ryan Zimmerman 
of Washington Nationals. I mean, here's mm-hmm. a guy. Sure, he's played a long time, and last year he was finally able to break through and win a World Series. But it's, you know, probably be nice to try and defend it and get another shot at it. I mean, your team hasn't changed that much, minus Anthony Rendon, which a big part of their lineup, but you've got Juan Soto coming back for, a, you know, a strong year. And, you know, they're probably going to be able to rally a, a, around the idea that uh, you know, Bryce Harper left us for Philadelphia and then we ended up winning. But there's lots of players that are deciding not to come back. They, they just don't want to risk it. Avery Bradley, Victor Oladipo, I think uh, Davis Bertans, which I couldn't pick that guy out of a lineup. I just recognized <laughs> the name because he was supposed to be like a, a buyout option. A good or free a agent this year. Yeah. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, I mean, listen, if I was a professional athlete, first and foremost, I would assume that I'm not immune compromised. There are some athletes who have something like asthma or I think Ryan Clark from the Steelers, he had um, anemia. So he wasn't able really? to play in Denver. Yeah, because of the, the altitude. I mm-hmm. think it was Ryan Clark. Or it might have been... Um, we'll call We'll say it's Ryan Clark. If it wasn't, then go fuck yourself. <laughs> and um, so there have been situations in the past where players can't perform or do their job because of health risks. If it's only a 60-game season, I mean, you're talking two months, three months max. Baseball players spend half a year with the same guys mm-hmm. traveling planes hotels you're in the clubhouse for like 10 hours a day two months you're in and you're out and you get paid now again it's a business um it's how these guys put food on their table and maybe david price i mean he's he is a good guy you're right he is a good guy he's a great teammate a uh, good person um very thankful for what he did in Boston in 2018. We'll always have that. The number one thing that I will take away from his career was that he took $1,000 out of his pocket and paid every single player that was on the minor league roster, not on the 40-man roster, in the Dodgers organization. It was like, because those guys make like maybe $30,000 over the course of six months. I don't even know if it's that much. It's not a lot. I have a buddy whose cousin um, was, I think he's in Philadelphia's organization. He was in Boston last year. Played played a lot in Pawtucket. And, I mean, these guys, they, day in and day out, they are absolutely scrounging. They play the game because they love it and they want to go pro. They want to be in the majors. So, look, if him opting out is going to open up a roster spot for somebody else and they're going to be able to make a major league salary, then yeah, that's, that's really commendable. But if he's really just sort of like, I don't want to play or I don't want to go through the frustration of it not being like it normally is like, dude, it's your job. And that, and that's not, that's where his prior experiences come into play. Like, People will not give him the benefit of the doubt that he's actually thinking it's about his family and about his health. People sure. will, people because that's the experience that he's had in Boston, and that's that's okay, that's fine. Yeah. But like at the same time, you have players like Freddie Freeman. I think his wife yesterday posted yeah, that, just that that he got uh, confirmed positive, positive, and yeah. he's and apparently they as from what she said anyway that they've been completely away from everybody. They haven't like gone to stores or anything. They've, right. and he's like apparently super symptomatic, which I think as far as I know is the first athlete 
in the pro in the four major sports that has shown like crazy symptoms from it. Everybody else, I feel like I've heard, yeah, hasn't shown anything. I think, um, I think when Marcus Smart was diagnosed with it a couple of months back, he said it was like a tough day or two. But uh, yeah, I mean, you didn't hear any horror stories of professional athletes or even really celebrities that were having a tough time just living a normal life or, or right. trying to get rest. But yeah, when she posted that, uh, that Instagram post I did, I, I came across it and I was reading and I was like, oh man, he's, he's really getting hit. Now she right. did say that he doesn't get sick often. So it could, again, not a scientist, but it could just have something to do with his immune system is so good that it came against something that it just has never had to deal with. And it got, yeah, we never really know with right. each, each situation is probably different for how each person is infected. Yeah. But you know, again, it's each situation is different. You know, Mike Trout is even saying like, I don't think it's safe for us to play. You lose Mike Trout. I mean, baseball has its own problems. You lose Mike Trout for a year due to COVID just because he decides he doesn't want to play, it's probably not going to make that much of a difference, which is such a sad thing. In, in other sports, it would. Yeah, and I, don't, I don't think I don't think the sport, it, it, it does. Like for me, this is something that I've been thinking about is like what player would it take for me to stop to not watch this year? Honestly, I don't know if there is that player on the Red Sox or that player in baseball for me. Yeah, I mean, like maybe, maybe if Xander didn't, if Bogarts didn't play, maybe, maybe that takes a little bit out of the fun away. But I probably still watch, right? Like, especially for baseball, as you said, it's a sport where it just—it's such a localized game. Like you don't, you don't really know unless you're unless you're a huge sports guy. And and I think we're pretty, pretty well versed in, in yeah. the world of sports. If you're like a Joe Schmo basic fan, you other than your team, you don't know the best player on the San Diego Padres. Right. Manny Machado. Of yes. We we know the we best know. player on the San yeah. Diego Padres, but but they would have I'll put it to you this way, they would have no idea who Anthony Rendon is. Right, exactly. They probably yeah. Some there are there are probably people listening right now who is like, I don't know who Anthony Rendon is at all. We we just mentioned him twice, three times now in the last five and a half minutes and nobody knows who he is. Right. But yet uh, he goes out and gets paid over a hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Because he's a phenomenal talent and he had a great year last year. Right. Um, which again, it's like, that's their prerogative. If, if they're, if you are a professional athlete and your job is your body essentially, and you have a limited time amount of time to make as much money as possible, you do it. And with, as far as the other, the other sports opening up, I mean, we we discussed basketball a little bit. What was the date again that that they're they're coming back the thirtieth? So the thirty, I think the thirtieth is when they're going to open up. The Celtics are going to open up against the Bucks on the thirty first. Which okay. the way that they they released the schedule was is kind of weird. So they're playing like an eight game or nine game finish to the regular season, and then they're just gonna it's eight games. So they're going to play eight games. And then they're going to figure out the seating. And then anybody who didn't make the playoffs, are just going to say, okay, you go home. <laughs> and then every single time a team gets knocked out, they're just going to be like, you go home, you go home, you go home. So it's like, it's like the bachelor. For, for... It's exactly what it is. <laughs> like you didn't get a rose tonight. Go fuck yourself. 
but uh, so send you packing back to Indiana. Op- opening up against uh, against Milwaukee, in theory, you would say, "Oh, that's a tough team," but they haven't played basketball for three months. Right. You haven't played basketball for three months either, but you would think that there's going to be something of a something to be said. I think for teams that have good veteran leadership. Now, do the Celtics have that? Who's their oldest player? Is what Kemba Walker? Probably. You know, I don't necessarily know if they've got veteran, like old school leadership where, you know, there is no Kevin Garnett on this team. Right. There, Ray Allen's no, not, not walking through that, that door. Yeah. There's Paul not, even not walking through that door. No, there's not. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, so it'll be interesting to see what they can do. Their schedule seems pretty light. You know, they open up against Miami, then they play Portland or uh, Milwaukee, sorry. Then they play Portland. Then they play Miami. A Brooklyn team with no Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant. A Toronto team where you don't actually have to go to Toronto, which has been pretty good. <laughs> house of horrors for the Celtics over the last few seasons. Then you play the Magic, then the Grizzlies, and then you finish off the season against Washington, the regular season at least. You could be looking at a 6-2, and 5-3 and three type record they may be looking at a, a number two seed. I, I would say that they're safe in the top three, which means that the first round matchup will be favorable. But getting into that second seed for that second round matchup where you don't have to play Milwaukee will be huge. Huge for them. Yeah. Um, my thing on this Celtics season has been I don't want them to play Milwaukee and I don't want them to play Philadelphia. I don't think they match up well with Philadelphia. No, definitely not. Too many bigs. Joel, Joel Embiid will eat every single time they play the, every they play the Celtics. Yeah, it, there is not a single person that they can use to stop him. So I think that's a bad matchup. I think any other team in the East, I think they can take them. I think they stack up pretty well against any other team in the East. And then the question comes if you get if you get to the finals, which big enough task as it is, you have to go through either Giannis or like the Simmons Embiid 76ers then you're probably facing off with an LA team. Right. And I think either of those teams, I think whoever comes out of the West is, I think is coming up on top. Probably. I actually, you know, it's so funny. The the way that this entire year has gone, and I'm just talking about 2020 Mm -hmm. has been so strange and so polarized in the NBA you know, you've got Kyrie Irving, who's not even going to be playing, basically, you know, saying to people like, oh, we should quit. We should start our own league. We should this, we should that. Like, what the hell is wrong with that guy? <laughs> different different topic for a different day. I feel like I just, I just, um, I, don't, I don't know. I, it, maybe it's just the, the Boston, anti-Boston media sports fan in me. But like, like, I like Kyrie. I like everybody that everybody hates. Like well, he's Kyrie, interesting. Kyrie, he's a David good player. Price. He, Kyrie, is, before he came to Boston, was my favorite player in, in basketball. He's so entertaining to watch. Yeah, he's got a great handle, and, and he's and interesting he nails, to listen to. Right, and he nails he nails game winning jumpers uh, to win your team championships. I mean, yep, the guy true. the guy is a good basketball player, and right now, I think in general, uh, where he. I think where he came out wrong is like the order of things he was asking for. Like, I think the first conversation he was like, 
oh, what are we going to, like, what kind of stuff are we going to get down in Orlando? Is it going to be, like, these cool rooms? Like, are we going to get, like, free food? Are we going to get, like, all this stuff delivered to us? Yeah. And then it was like, oh, maybe we should consider stuff for, um, like, the, move, the, the Black Lives Matter movement that we're going through or the fact that there's a virus that's pretty prevalent in especially Florida right now. This was before, that was, he said this before that the numbers spiked back up in Florida. Yep. But he does have a little bit of a point with both of those points. It's just the order, I think, uh, which is getting a lot of people, rubbing people the wrong way. But it's interesting because the way that the year has gone, and there's a lot of similarities too with, um, with the NHL because their season happened and it stopped and now they're going into some form of a postseason. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I constantly am asking my question, you know, is, is there a conversation to be had about rest versus rust? Because you always hear about that in playoffs, like if a team right. knocks out, you know, uh, they, they win in, in four, four games. yeah, yeah, and then they have like a week off. Well, are they are they well rested or are they rusty? Like, what's it, what's better? What's going to happen? Everybody's pretty much had the same amount of time off, yeah. So it's not really going to be a question of rest versus rust. I actually look at it as, as who's going to be the most prepared to face adversity and bear down. So basically, be a professional. And do your job. Like, take a page out of Bill Belichick's book. Like, I think Bruce Cassidy could get this team prepared. Oh, 100%. I think it's weird to say that, like, I think he's my second favorite coach in this town. I'm not, not, like, a diehard hockey fan. But I think Bruce Cassidy might be my second favorite. (laughs) So the, the interesting thing about Cassidy is he spent, almost a decade in Providence mm-hmm. coaching, coaching their American league affiliate. So he was able to establish relationship with a lot of the younger players and a lot of the players that are in the middle of their careers because he was their coach for two years, three years, however long they were in the minors for. Right. So he established some form of trust, which is absolutely great. He really benefits. And this is why I think the Bruins will actually be, well, maybe they won't be one of the final four teams, but they should be competitive and they shouldn't have any issues coming back because they've got great leadership. Zdeno Char is one of the best captains in the NHL. He doesn't talk a lot, but he speaks with his actions. The same thing can be said about Patrice Bergeron. They're not big talkers, but you know, in the room, they lead by example. They give 100% effort on the ice and then they've got skill. They've got talent, you know, Brad Marchand, David Pasternak. I'm, I'm really excited to see what, uh, what Tuka Rask is going to be able to do in goal. There's so many good teams, though, in the, in the league now. I mean, Philadelphia started off the year awful. And then a couple of months ago, unfortunately, one of their players was diagnosed with, um, I think it was non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, but he was diagnosed with cancer, and he's been going through treatments. Oscar, oh, I don't want to butcher his name. Oscar Lindblom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was Oscar Lindblom. And almost like a rallying cry for their organization. And they've got the... Uh, something else to play for very very similar to like the 2013 red Sox with the marathon bombings um tampa lots of talent washington lots of talent lots of experience out in the west you know i i'm not even going to worry about the western conference until the cup final because there's you're not going to be playing them at all right but the interest the the crazy thing to me about the uh nhl season so are you familiar with the how they do their draft lottery? Yeah. 
So you know that whoever's going to get the uh, the first overall pick this year is going to be a team that doesn't win in the qualifying round. Right. I think that's ridiculous. I think no. that's absolutely insane. I couldn't even believe. I know that they normally have their draft. Uh, it just feels like a, it just feels like a weird timing the way that they when they normally have their draft. Yeah. But when. And the NHL draft obviously isn't the spectacle that the NBA or the NFL draft is because these guys aren't going to be in the league for a, for a bit. Right. When I when it came across my timeline the other day that the draft was the other day. Well, the lottery was the. So, other I day. mean, the lottery that the lottery was the other day. I was like, how can that be possible? Right. How how can we be 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 doing the lottery? It hasn't panned out yet. No, I mean, you don't know where the teams are going to fall. So they're basically like, okay, well, we've got the top seven. We've got seven teams that we're saying are not making the playoffs. So 24 teams are potentially making the playoffs. Eight of them have already clinched, four in each conference. Right. The other 16 teams are going to be playing that best of five qualifying round. And whoever wins, you know, first one to win three games moves on to the first round of the playoffs. And then I'm not 100% sure, but I think the way that it's going to happen is whoever is the lowest remaining seed is going to get bumped into that number one position. So you could potentially have been the 17th best team in the league during the regular season, which, sure, you would have qualified for the draft lottery, but you would have had the less than 1% of a chance to win. Yeah. Because they pooled all those teams together. Mm-hmm. They had to be like, well, the eighth place team and the seventeenth place team, they all have to be given the same odds because we don't know where they're going to finish. And it's just, it's if it was the NBA, I wouldn't be surprised. But it would, it's just like professional sports, especially nowadays, to build up this huge spectacle and say, oh, we're going to have to find out who the number one pick goes to, and the and the the prospect who's at build at the top of the boards this year for the NHL, he's a pretty good player. He was um, Alexei Lafreniere. He was uh, he was drafted first overall a couple of years ago in the queue. Plays for uh, Ramuski, who is the franchise that Sidney Crosby played for in mm-hmm. before he got to the NHL. So it's it's an organization that knows what they're doing, and he was able to put up numbers pretty consistently from a very very young age. Um, I didn't get an opportunity to watch him that much during the World Juniors, which is a tournament that is a lot of fun during. The uh, holiday season happens pretty much right after Christmas up until New Year's. And you get an opportunity to see what the future of the NHL is going to be. If he ends up on a team like Pittsburgh or New York or Chicago or, you know, any of these franchises that already have stud franchise players with generational talents and they can pair him up. I mean, it's going to be the same thing as when the Celtics got the number one pick and were able to draft Jason Tatum after they had just taken Jalen Brown and they already had, you know, kind of had Gordon Hayward, but they had acquired Kyrie Irving. They mm-hmm. had Al Horford. You know, they were putting together their own version of a super team because another team did the losing for them, which right. again, kudos to you, Trader Danny. Yeah. They, they set it up all well. And, and for the Bruins coming into to this run, I think this is, this is the point of the year where because they are, there's a there's a really good mix of of young guys and and veterans on this yeah. team. This is the point in the season where you start questioning the veterans. They're probably getting a little tired. Probably getting a little bit worn down. Zidane Ochara 
probably isn't as effective as he was at the beginning of the season. No, probably not. But now, with a break, could be like the start of a brand new season. 100%. You could get a rested, a rested Chara. You could, you could go into the season having a majority of the injuries that you were dealing with in the middle of the season, and that seemed to be a problem for the in the middle of this team for their, for a little bit of a, like a little stretch there where it felt like felt like there were a few injuries going around left and right. Yeah, the, and the, now they're all they can all be they can all be healed. They can all jump right back in, and they didn't miss any time for it. And that's what the the fun thing about, I think the the ending to the NHL and the NBA, is going to be, these teams are going to be ready to go. And now maybe they won't be ready to play, but you're not going to have any of those like freak injuries that happen in the middle of the year outside of you know a torn ACL that happened in December or whatever. Any of these like sore hamstrings or pulled muscles or you know minor breaks and bones everybody should be healthy should be ready to go weird i think for the first time and that's why i think it's ridiculous that anybody would say that you know if you win an nba championship or a stanley cup this year there's going to be an asterisk attached to it or, or a world series is going to be no there's not you're playing under the same situation and circumstances as everybody else if right. not things are even more neutralized now because yeah. nobody knows how the hell to prepare exactly and the mlb you're you're potentially having a dh like across across both leagues so yeah the 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 field is the playing field is leveled for everybody so i don't see how you can sit around nobody nobody remembers the fact that was it the was it the spurs championship nope it was the blackhawks in 2013 and it was the miami heat in 2012 miami heat yeah yep that LeBron's was first championship yeah and that that was a shortened season nobody seems to remember it now it wasn't it wasn't ridiculously short. It wasn't uh, the it wasn't the around robin style tournament like something that the leagues are doing. Yeah. It wasn't something like that. But there's been circumstances before where yeah, you've played in shortened seasons, and nobody nobody really remembers that. People remember the strike shortened shortened season in baseball right. like that. That's it. Well, there was no champion. Right. They, it, it seems to me as though if they announce a champion or if they award a champion it's always legitimized no matter how many games they play in the regular season or playoffs or whatever now it's interesting though because 60 game season for major league baseball this is going to be the shortest season that they've played that baseball has had since 1878 right again like fucking baseball leave it to them to have a (laughs) a season in 1878 holy cow like that's 13 years after the civil war right yeah they i mean the sport's ancient, just like all their fans. It's <laughs> like their it's, fans. The sport is dying, just like their fans are. <laughs> it's sad, but yeah, the, the all these championships are they're legit. Nobody's going to remember in twenty five years. Yeah, they might remember. Oh, this was the coronavirus year. They're not going to remember. Oh, this is the year that there was a break in the middle of the season and right. um, the 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 uh, Toronto Raptors won a random won a championship randomly. No one's going to remember that. No. No one's gonna remember that that was that was what happened in the year twenty twenty. It's it's legitimized. It's all it's all short term memory stuff, and that's that's just the way it's gonna be. And people will it basically what is what it comes down to is it is it a team you don't like? Yeah, it doesn't count. <laughs> is yeah, it exactly. Like? It counts. <laughs> that, that's pretty, That's basically what it's gonna be for everybody. <laughs> I say the same thing. I say Peyton Manning has only got one championship because he was carried on the shoulders of a great defense for the second one. No, oh, absolutely. We'll give him one and a half. Yeah, well, yeah, obviously. 
<laughs> Either way, you know what? It, it's exciting. We're, we're getting sports back. We're a couple of weeks away. Um, you know, a lot to look forward to as a Boston fan, as a national sports fan. So what, what have you been doing to try and stay entertained during this quarantine process? Like, all right, let me ask you a question. Last week, what was playing on your TV the majority of the time? That's what I do. I drink and I know things. Someone once told me time is a flat circle. You're a wizard, Harry. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Um, last week, on the rare chances that I did get to watch TV, it was, uh, I'm reliving my childhood. I've been reliving my childhood a lot through this, through this quarantine. Have you? Um, Avatar's back on Netflix. Ah, I went last back, airbender. I went, yep. I went back to the well. I, uh, when I was a kid, I, I loved that show and I never, I never finished it for some reason. I mean, probably like when we were kids, I don't even know if there was really like a TiVo when that was, when that was even yeah, on. You, you like, you don't even think about a show ever ending when you're seven, eight, nine years old. Right. It's and it's on and it stays on. And it's like, yeah, if, if, if you don't catch it live, who knows the next time it's going to be on. So I, I just think I missed like the whole final season of that show. And now I'm going back and I'm watching it and. I finally caught up to where I don't, I don't know anything that's happened. And oh, now I'm like, I'm like, this show was so awesome when I was a kid. It was so cool. That was one that I never got into. Um, I think I just had a difficult time with, I don't know. I was like a SpongeBob, fairly odd parents oh, like that to like dude, silly same. cartoon type stuff. Like the serious cartoons I never really got into, but you know, looking back and hearing everybody on social media saying like avatars on avatars on and they're making mm -hmm. all these references, this, that, and it's like now it's almost required viewing for somebody in our generation. Like you have to at least give it a chance and learn who the characters are so you can be part of the conversation. Yeah. But it's, it's so funny. And it, and it is like a, it is a little bit more of a serious because it, it does deal with the fact that pretty much every country's at war in the show. And that's yeah. pretty, that's basically what it, what it's like. And, but the the general conversations of everything is it's it is funny it's a funny it's a funny show there mm -hmm. are of like a few like comedic relief characters who who really make it who really make it more entertaining so so what is like the plot of the show do they take like these at the elements and they separate them and every tribe has like their own power set but then one person has all the powers and it's a kid right so basically uh for for anybody who hasn't seen it like like nick himself yeah um the whole premise of the show is yeah yeah there's four the four elements earth water fire air and they're all divided up into their own nations and there's one person who i mean i guess i would say is like a like the dalai lama type thing where he reincarnates every every life cycle um and he becomes a person of one of the one of the other element specialties so mm -hmm. like in this show um the kid is from the air nation so he has the he knows the air power first what he has the ability to learn all of the other ones what's his name and his name his name in the show was ang ang that's a -A -N -G. right a-a-n-g um and you get to like see him learn everything so he doesn't know everything right away you have to learn how to how to master all the elements and stuff and like the person before him was someone from the fire nation and the person before that person was someone from the earth nation and it, it basically goes on and on but when the the this big war was starting he was trapped um it's kind, it's kind of weird to explain he was like trapped in like a giant 
ice bubble underwater and he just was like stuck there for like a hundred years. And so that's why like right now he technically should be dead or super, super old, but he's like 12 still in the show. So you're like watching him in the middle of like this war for a guy who's supposed to have mastered everything already and um, able to help people defeat like the evil fire nation, quote unquote, um, that he's supposed to have all this information, but he's only 12. So he has to learn it all super fast in order to help out to stop this evil nation from taking over the rest of the world. Didn't they make a live action version of that movie? Not, they made, not, not the James Cameron one. No, they, yeah, they did make a, they did make a movie. I've never seen it. It is on Netflix as well. Um, I'll probably watch it after I finish the show. I heard it was I heard, awful. I heard it was really bad. <laughs> I heard it was really, really bad. But yeah, I'm just getting to relive my childhood a little bit through that. Uh, there's not been a whole lot um, of TV watching other than other than that for me. I, I do a lot of a lot of video game playing as well. Yeah. So a lot of Warzone for me around these oh. parts. I ch- so at the beginning of quarantine, I had uh, I had been talked into by a group of friends to download not only Warzone. Uh, but all of the the entire Call of Duty. Yep. And to get a, an Xbox Live subscription. <laughs> very very thankful for the donation that I received to get to get the Xbox Live subscription and re- sort of rediscovered my my love of video games and online gaming. But I also uh, rediscovered how much I fucking suck at first person shooters. <laughs> And how frustrating it is. It is so frustrating. Like, I, I will say I spend hours playing video games. When I go through those, like, video game stretches, mm-hmm. like those binges, I'll spend eight hours doing, like, a fantasy draft in Madden or NHL trying to rebuild a team yeah. and not playing a single game. <laughs> Just, like, trying to sign free agents and scout players and make trades and this, that, and the other. Yep. I'll spend eight hours doing that. I can't spend more than like 20 minutes playing Call of Duty. Can't do it. Just can't do it. I, I don't know what it is. I just, I find it to be so monotonous. It's, it's the same thing. Like you go, you play around, it's 10 minutes long, and then you wait in the lobby for three minutes. This is, this has become a problem that I've had with this game too. Is like, I've been pretty much my entire gaming, I don't, I don't know, career life, my, yeah. my life as a, as a video game player. It's been sports games. I play 2K, Madden, FIFA, NHL, the, the normal sports games. And then I'll play Call of Duty. And that's pretty much what I've done my entire life. Yeah. Um, but like this Call of Duty is probably like my second favorite of their entire franchise. And I still find myself after every game I play. I hate this fucking game. <laughs> <laughs> every time. And like even the games I have fun. I, I was playing before before we got on here. Yep. I had a game. I got 13 kills in Warzone. That's incredible. That's, that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's like pretty good. And at the end, when you lose and you come in second, for those who, who don't know what Warzone is, you get dropped on an island, 150 people, pick up stuff, survive, kill everybody else. I came in second place, and it's like the worst feeling in the entire world. I would rather mm-hmm. come in 150th place. Yeah. Come in that close. Loser. Come in that close. But it's like, yeah, that, that's the problem with games like that. Like Madden, I can sit here. I remember as kids, when you had a snow day, 
I would get me and a bunch of my friends on Xbox and we would sit around and we'd play an entire season of an online league and we'd play yeah. it all in one day. It was like, those are things I can do. Like you said, you can do those for eight hours. You can do those for 12 hours. We like I said, we played a whole season in a day and we would do that. If you had, if you had school vacation, we do the same thing. It's like these games, they're so different and you have so many different reactions to them, yep. but you see, you keep, just keep going back. You keep going back. Like they have, they'll have call of duty. will have my money pretty much forever. Madden will have my money forever. I've bought, I've had every Madden since 99, that they'll, I'll never, I'll never buy it, not buy it. As long as I have a system, I'll never not buy it. Yep. There were, there were two Maddens in the last, uh, we'll call it 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. Two Maddens that I didn't get for that year. 2010, so that was Madden 11. And last year's Madden for the 2019 season, Madden 20. Mm-hmm. The ironic thing about both those years the Patriots did not make it to the AFC Championship game. All right, I'm pre-ordering your Madden <laughs> 2021 right now. No, I'm I'm all on board for it. Listen, my my goal is to try and get together 31 other people and having a 32 man online franchise. I know the franchise mode in Madden it can be a little finicky and not a lot of fun, but I think if you had 32 individuals running their own teams, being like a GM, making trades, doing stuff behind the scenes, it would add a different dynamic. It's more than just one versus one or, you know, co-oping or anything like that. You know, it provides a little bit more of a story to it. And that's actually one of the things that I do enjoy about the Call of Duty games. Like I'll play Call of Duty, I'll play Halo, I'll play some of the, um, like the superhero games that have come out, the Batman games, the Spider-Man game that came out on PlayStation. I like the stories. I like the campaigns. Because I like feeling like I'm a part of a movie. Yeah. And I think a good game, other than the gameplay, is able to do something like that, where you feel as though you're almost playing a role and you're a character going through this story and you're watching right. things develop. Those are the things that I enjoyed. Like, I, um, I think over the holiday, I was playing the, uh, that Star Wars game, the, oh, uh, what is it called? Jedi Fallen Order. So I was playing that. And you're basically like this, uh, are you a Star Wars guy at all? I've never seen them. Get the fuck out, <laughs> dude. I, I, I always get this re- exact reaction from everybody. How? Um, I when I was a when I was a real young kid, um, I think my grandparents might have had one of the VHSs, and I started to watch it. And I think it was out of order because I think it was I think Jar Jar was in the first one. Uh, well, there the order is subjective at this point, right? And you get like I think. From what I understand, it's like four, five, six, one, two, three is the order you're supposed to quote unquote watch them in, and then mix in the new ones or whatever. I watched that first one. They met Jar Jar. I fell asleep. I was like, I was probably <laughs> like ten, if that. That's not super uncommon to fall asleep during Phantom Menace. <laughs> Any of the prequels are tough. The uh, yeah, I mean, I was introduced to them as like a little kid, like four or five years old. I remember watching the original movies, and they were a lot of fun. Um, the newer ones are, are tough for people to get through. I think now I'm starting to realize, especially on like TikTok and stuff, people are reenacting some of the scenes from the prequels. Yeah. And it's like millennials and Gen Z and stuff like that. So there's almost like a newfound appreciation for those movies that were released in the late 90s, early 2000s. But um, man, you got, do you have a, a subscription to Disney Plus? Yeah. So um, well, what are you for, waiting for, for? for those, for those who uh, may be not as familiar with me, uh, my, 
like full-time job is I, I work security right now. Um, and while we were shut down, I, while I was at work, there's not really a whole lot to do when you're just sitting at a desk in a building, making sure nobody comes in. Um, and so I, I tried, I watched, I think four and five, I think I got to six and is that the one where there's like puppets for Jabba? I yes. think, yeah, yes. I got to that and I was like, I'm not doing this. This is so dumb. <laughs> so they are a little dated and George Lucas, who's the director, writer, creator, like he gets credit for everything. He's on record now as saying, like, I made these movies for children. Right. Like, they are space operas that were designed for like 12 year old boys. Yeah. And I so, think if I, if I, if I watched them all and, I, and part of it probably is that I didn't like my dad was never a star Wars guy. My yep. grandfather was never a star Wars guy. So I, I never really fell in love with it, but I think if I watched them as kids, I'd probably have that same appreciation as most people do. I feel like our age. So what are, what are the types of movies that you watch? Ooh. Like genre wise, like are you like a comedy guy? Are you an action guy? Are you? Yeah, I I I like a lot of comedy. I think that's probably the main thing I've watched uh, yeah. the last five years. I really dove into Marvel. I really dove into them. Okay. Like, yep. First. Yep. I had never seen. I had only seen Iron Man, and I jumped like right in, watched them all, went to every release night of every movie after that, and uh, I dove headfirst into that stuff. I, I'm kind of all over the place as far as movies go. My the biggest comment I always get, which is, is pretty much the reaction you gave me, is you've never seen any movie, and I feel like that's that's, that's the comment I always get. Is you you why would I even ask you if you've seen this? So I know I know I already know the answer. I, I'm like the opposite with like TV shows. I watch I watch a ton because it's like at security especially. Yeah, it's something I can binge through the whole time, and. It's, it's a little bit more difficult with movies, but yeah, that's the, the, always the reaction I get. All right. So two things, this is, this is your homework for the week. Okay. If you're going to watch a star Wars movie, watch rogue one, rogue one. Okay. Because that has the least to do with the quote unquote Skywalker saga. Mm -hmm. Like there's some Easter eggs and things that you would know context that would be given if you'd watched all the other films, but that is like a heist movie. Right. That's based in the Star Wars universe. Okay. And if you're going to, or if you don't watch Rogue One and you want it to start with like a TV show, like watch an episode for 45 minutes or an hour or whatever, watch The Mandalorian. Again, well, it's, it's like a Western sort of like bounty hunter type story with a little bit of a twist in the first episode and uh not perfect but lots of fun lots right. of fun good it's a not it's a that movie and that show i think are great for star wars fans because they pay homage to the movies but they're perfect for non-star wars fans because they're movies and tv shows that happen on their own right you don't have to yeah. be super invested I think That's, with the I think that was kind of what drew me into wa trying to watch them. I think is everybody was talking about Mandalorian. Yeah. And I now it's like, am I gonna enjoy this? Maybe not. But it's something that everybody's talking about. So I feel like I kind of have to watch it. Um. So like I feel like that's kind of why I started to watch Star Wars again uh, this this quarantine break. Um. But 
the what was the most re- what was the most recent movie? The one that came out like last year, at the beginning of this year. Which one was that? Uh, that was. Is that the Rise of Skywalker? Yes, Rise of Skywalker. That trailer, I was like, I really want to see this movie. It yeah. looks like a good movie. Yeah. But maybe maybe it's just because it's. Again, I don't remember when. I don't know when those first three came out, but it's not 77, 81, and eighty three. Yeah. So, so maybe it's maybe it's just too dated for me, and maybe yeah. maybe it's something because I wasn't a kid when I watched it. It's just not for me. But I feel like I would like the three newer ones, and then well, the four, one, two, and three, right? One, yeah. two, and three, and then um, the the newer congregation of what three or four more how many have there been that that franchise has gotten more money out of everybody's pockets than than anybody else in the entire world everybody except like uh, the marvel franchise like you said and james bond who i think he's up to like 50 movies now Ah, who knows they have uh they've got nine episodes they have two star wars stories they have an animated series that's considered to be in canon they have books that used to be in it's a huge universe like for for someone who's a novice to star wars you stick with the movies and if you're a real novice then you you can really boil it down to if you if you watch the first three that were released and you say to yourself like okay i'm interested to see where this goes or what happened prior to this because Mm -hmm. that's what they do they take like a flashback right um then it can be fun it's not for everybody. Like anybody, right. when I hear I've never watched Star Wars, I have that reaction. Like you got to be fucking kidding me. Like yeah. When somebody says they don't like Star Wars, I totally get it because if you are 25 years old when you watch a movie that was made in 1977 about some moisture farmer who's trying to save a princess with a smuggler and there's like light swords and objects moving around, like yeah, it's pretty dated. But like that, that, that first one, episode four, I think again, um, yep. I always get so confused with this. Um, I actually like that movie. Yeah. It's, it's like you said, it's a good story and it gets you interested in what's going on. And then they kind of like things open up a little bit. Yeah. Definitely open up Jar Jar falling asleep for Jar Jar. You're not alone. Yeah. It's uh yeah, definitely. And like I said, the the when I saw the puppets, I don't know where they were, if they were in like a bar or something, and there was like a bunch of puppets that were like fans of Jabba or something. Palace. Yeah, I, I I was looking at it and I was like, this is ridiculous. This is like, I can't I can't watch any more of this. Actually, you know what? Also in your defense, you probably watched the uh special edition. So Perhaps it was decades. on Disney Plus, so I have decades. no idea. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So decades after George Lucas released his original films, he went back and was like, "Well, now that I have the technology to complete my vision, I'm going to change things about these movies." And they added in scenes that were not originally in them. So when the puppets are playing that musical song, that wasn't originally in. in oh, see, so, why you gotta ruin good things? You know what? They can't all be winners. I guess. What's your uh, what's your final blow? Um, I w- I would just say I'm I'm super glad that we've got the opportunity to do this, and uh, I think we're gonna have I think we're gonna have a lot of fun. Uh, just, we sat here, 
<laughs> behind the scenes, we, we, before the podcast started, we said, let's try to keep it to an hour. Yeah. And, um, uh, well, it's, it's a little over two hours later and, and we're still here. So I think, I feel like we're having a good time. It's going to be, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm excited to see wherever this goes. And, uh, like you said, sports are coming back, man. Um, I'm unbelievably glad to see, uh, have the chance to watch something again, anything. Yep. I, I, there's only so much Avatar I can watch. I'll, I might actually have to go back and watch Star Wars now. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, for those of you who've stuck around, do us a favor. I hear everybody always saying, leave a like, leave a rating, leave a subscription, all that type of stuff. I don't know how this analytics works out, but I'm sure that it would be really helpful if you guys uh, did all that and if you shared it with some of your friends and maybe even the people that you don't like, that would probably help out too. Absolutely. Mike, till next time. Yes, sir. Peace.